0: You know what's interesting is that football game, the game was over, and then the ball went through the uprights, and they won. That's what they thought with Jesus. They thought the game was over. He won, and he won. Amen? God, during this time, Lord, we pray that you would help, uh, help us to be more like you, to be more righteous, to be more blameless, to be more faithful, just as your servant Noah was, and uh, guide me. and uh, help us, God, got to focus on your word. We want to do your will. We want to be urgent about it, and we need to hear from you to do that. So so speak in our minds uh, through my words and uh, in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 So here we are. We're, we're in this series called Floods and Gates. Floods and Gates, chapter four through nine of Genesis. And uh, just as, as by way of a quick recap, I decided to have some fun with graphics. So if you're in the back, again, I intentionally made things small so you will learn to sit up front. So don't even put it on Facebook. No, don't don't do it. No, you gotta be here. There's gotta be something for rewarding those who really love Jesus. But don't sit too close. Alright, anyway, anyway, here we go. So we've got floods and gates. The first one is an awesome gate. We've got Abel, right? He's, he's, he's born uh, with his knucklehead brother. And then we have this horrible flood. This horrible flood called Cain. As we know, Cain kills Abel. So now he's gone. We're done. We got nothing. And then we have the next guy. Well, and if I were to title these, right? Um, um, Abel would be the gate of offering God what he wants. Because he did. He offered God what he wanted and then we've got the flood of murder, right? And then we have this, this gate of this guy who's a musician. His name's Jubal. So Jubal, musician. And it's kind of a gate. Like, you kind of messed up, so I got a gray gate there. And then we have his brother or somebody following a tubal cane. Who's, who's, he, he's actually the, uh, the, the inventor of, of uh, tools, technology. And so, you know, a lot of these things you look at, we've turned them into weapons of destruction, music, and art. We've turned into some pretty foul stuff as well. We do that with all this stuff. So that's why it's, they're great gates, but they're gates into something. And then we have what I would say is like the worst, worst flood. Well, not the worst, we're coming to that, but Enoch, right? We've got Enoch 1, who was, he made, I, I call it the flood of, could it really get worse than Cain? Yes, it can. That's a long name, but dang, it's. Then, then we've got some hope. We have Seth, who's born from Adam and Eve, and it's like, oh, we can start over, and we've got, we've got a, a, a gate of, what did I call it here? Redemption for Adam and Eve and all people. Because why? They call him the name of the Lord. Then we have Enoch, and he's the kid of Enoch. But as we know, Enoch is the gate to eternal life, so he actually disappears. Bye-bye, Enoch. We're not going <laughs> to see you any longer. Oh, bye. All right. And then we have, uh, what's the next gate here? Oh, the Nephilim. Mark, you talked about this last week. Thank you for not assigning this passage to anyone else. Really appreciate that. But it is pretty easy. They are spiritual beings, the Anakim are descendants of them, and they made the Israelites look like grasshoppers. And that was it. Pretty easy. I don't understand. Uh, then we have this last gate Actually, it's not the last gate. It's, it's actually a flood that God gives to all people before the flood. And that is just this great disappointment that Yahweh, the Lord, the intimate God of these people, um, he regrets, it says, he regrets he makes, makes humankind. And then there's a gate of Noah, which really is grace. And we saw this in Genesis 6, 7 and 8, which says, the Lord says, I'll wipe out... From the face of the earth, the human race I've created. And with them, the animals, birds, creatures that move along the ground. For I regret I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace came through Noah. Grace. It's my first daughter's middle name. The Greek word is charis. So that's my daughter's middle name. And mostly it was because Mark actually named my first daughter. Because he said, the only way you're getting through seminary when we were going together, he said, is grace. Grace. And it was true. I'd come in like disheveled and paper kind of ripped up and be like, really, boy? Grace. But if you think about it, when people say anything, they say, oh, it's not fair. Oh, that's not fair. You're right. There's a lot that's not fair. Like the grace of God that's given us life, that's given us salvation. Whenever you hear it's not fair, particularly parents, grace grace we're nothing without grace nothing without grace it was uh jesus's blamelessness his righteousness that brought about salvation but before jesus fully redeemed everyone fully we got noah who brings his grace and so that's our passage for today uh which was read better than i will read it uh but i will read just the one line that i'm going to focus on which was noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time and walked faithfully with god that's what we're looking at and i'm going to uh um structure really around those three words righteousness blameless faithfulness now when I, i don't know about you but whenever i think of noah i think of little figures and i think of um animals and maybe like this big brown ark But he's way more. I bought this uh, set. It's called the Brick Bible, right? It's Legos. You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, before parents go out and buy it, it's rated R because the Bible is. But I do have a picture of what I see it as. Isn't that how you think of Noah? I mean, isn't it? It's kind of how we think of Noah. We're like, hey, yeah, there he is. It's kind of fun. Now, I would give you this here. You can, you can look at this. Good job. So I got this this book, and I was like, ooh, I saw it because it had these real particularities that we don't consider, right? Because if you think about the flood and stuff, it's kind of violent. So here's the account of Noah. Here you've got all the people are crazy. This is the picture for the book. It took this guy 10 years to do it. And uh, I'm not gonna read it, It'll just show you the pictures. And then here, Noah finds favor in God. And then he starts building the ark, and there's all the animals. I'm skipping a few things here. And then this is why I bought the book, and it's kind of sick, so. Uh, there's all the dead people floating. Like, like seriously, this, no. It was, this story is not a children's story. And, and the next page is even worse. Now let me just tell you, there's a lot of red bricks involved because there's a lot of birth and a lot of destruction and death, even Jesus, in the Bible. So, I've got it up here if you want to look at it later. But I, uh, I think the authors intention is to show how the bible's pretty brutal story and i think there's even an intention to say oh it's, you you can't really believe this stuff because it's not really the heart of of god so be careful with some of this stuff but it's really fascinating <laughs> it's an adult book and my wife said who did you buy that for to read to our kids i said there's no way i can read this to our little seven-year-olds this is foul i need to edit it but noah's story is it's intense right? It's really intense, and we have to be careful to not make it into um, just this happy-go-lucky, oh yeah, I've heard the flood story before, because it's so much more. So here, I think it's best to find Noah and his righteousness, his blamelessness, and his faithfulness in the text and scripture that talks about him. So here we have in Ezekiel this passage, and I'm I'm just going to highlight some of these things. It's a horrible time, and it says, uh, so I'm not reading the entire passage, but even these three men in this horrible time, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. They were in this horrible time. They could only save themselves by their righteousness. So in other words, we've got Daniel, we've got Job, we've got uh, Noah, who save other people because of their righteousness. But the time was so bad that they couldn't even save other people, only themselves in Ezekiel. That's why. Luke, Jesus talks about it, and he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People will be eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. Think about that. You've got your wedding day, and it's raining. How sad. It rains so much that you're then dead. That's really sad. So if it rained on your wedding day, at least it wasn't that bad. So, so Jesus is pointing this out, that this is kind of how it is and how it can be. Um, Noah was righteous, he was blameless, he was faithful. And I would say he's he's that before he built the ark, right? Because this is what this passage is. This is, before he's even told to build an ark. It's God finding favor in him because of his righteousness, blamelessness, and faithfulness in this time. He's talked about even in some of the letters in the New Testament. This is too long, so I'm not. you can jot it down or take a picture, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 22. But what I will say is... While the ark was being built, God was patient. If you think about it, you're like, he's still dealing with all these people that he regretted he made while Noah had to build this big boat. And yet he was patient. He was patient. All the stuff that's going around in the world, God's still patient with it. And that's powerful. that's powerful. He doesn't like it. Eight people were saved. And, and, and it says, you know, he talks about baptism. And... Um, it's interesting because he, he he says at the end um, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus who's gone into heaven and is God right God's right hand with angels authorities and powers in submission to them and in all you know joking aside I, that's another reason why I think there might be heavenly beings right before there that, that that's kind of weird but it's true if you're interested in that kind of stuff Michael Heiser's book Unseen Realm or spiritual uh, supernatural pretty powerful. Um, so that whole chapter from verse eight is huge. If you want to take a look, but then the, the idea is there's disobedient people, and so then we have Second uh, Peter four, excuse me, Second Peter two, four to ten, and that's too long to read because we've already heard a number of messages tonight. But let me just tell you again, it talks about celestial beings, but it, it, it says Noah. I'll read the underlined word. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and so on. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and hold the unrighteous for punishment. Now let me pause there. Punishment. You think about it and... These people were making fun of Noah. Like, dude, what are you doing building this? They don't even know what boat is, probably. They need to all build an ark. Why? You're crazy. You think junior high was tough? People talking bad about you? Can you imagine them talking about him? Like, dude, you are a, you're an idiot. You're, what are you doing, Noah? But at the same time, I imagine there was something about Noah who was blameless, righteous, and faithful that made them go, huh. Maybe he knows something I don't know. Even those kids in junior high who knew that you were something more and were just defending themselves out of their own insecurity. So I think they saw that. And it, it says, too, that Noah, I mean, obviously there's judgment. There's condemnation. Otherwise, we wouldn't believe in hell. And so we've got this thing, and we hate to say that someone's life would lead someone to understand punishment, but for Noah, it does. They've got to see it or know it coming. And we'll see why in this next passage. uh, I'm going to skip that, which is my favorite about Noah in the the New Testament because it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And in doing so, it says, He condemned the world. It's like, dude, condemned the world? What are you talking about? And he condemned the world. And he became heir of righteousness that's in keeping with faith. There's so much of what is in our passage in this. And I don't want to go too much into it, but I think we have to look at that word condemning. Condemning, it's used like 19 times in the New Testament. It's always judging. So Noah was actually judging the world. Now I'm going to take a little bit of liberty and stretch this and say, could it have been a conviction? could it have been convicting people? You know, a lot of people might see your testimony, your legacy, your, uh, the way in which you operate and they're actually convicted by it. For example, somebody who gets up early and prays all the time. I might be like, you're crazy, but at the same time, I'm jealous. Like, man, I want to be like that person. And then, and then there's, there's other people who, um, maybe they talk, you talk about city church and you're just excited. You're just excited. You are doing all this and doing this. And then they might go, wow, what am I doing in my church? What am I? Maybe I need to step up my game. And while your statement does not condemn them, it does convict them and make them go, wow, what's my life worth? How many funerals you've been to? And you're like, wow, I want to be, I want to be more like that person in that way. Because again, I'm using the word conviction. It's a little bit of a stretch, but, but I think that, um, I, I talk to my friend in Madagascar every week. We, we go on WhatsApp and we talk and he had, like, no power this week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, us too. But I'm going, you're in Madagascar, an island in the middle of nowhere. You took your three young kids under 10 to go live there and serve Jesus. Like, I'm talking to him going, uh, wow. I mean, that convicts me. Does it condemn me? Eh, I don't think so. But it convicts me makes me go, how am I living for Jesus? And so Noah did this in righteousness, blamelessness, faithfulness. And it says in Hebrews that that did something to the people, in a powerful way. Um, think about the person who works full-time. They do all this work for their kids. They make dinner every night, and then, and then they spend time with their wife. Did you get that? It's another one that bombed. Okay, they spend time with their husband. They spend time with their husband. It's you assume it's the woman, and then it's the wife. Okay. But it can feel condemning when you hear a superwoman who does all this stuff, and you're like, I need to step up my game. Men, that is from the Holy Spirit. You need to step up your game. Amen. Not you. Women should be amen in this. Do I need to read from the brick Bible again? My goodness. So I guess it can be encouraging. I think condemnation, in the sense of using it as conviction, can be encouraging. Um, I always thought, so it says on Hebrews, that kindness leads to repentance. I always thought that the kindness was to the, the repentance would come from the person receiving the kindness. Repentance from the person receiving. But maybe in fact, the repentance might be in someone else who sees the kindness being done. Standing in line, waiting for food. Somebody right before you is so ter- it's so unbelievably kind to the cashier. I can't imagine what you're going through. My goodness. Your blood's boiling. How dare you? I see you. You're not working hard enough. You're thinking all these things, and you're going, oh, man. And the person steps up before. He's like, wow, I really appreciate it. I can't imagine the stress you're under. And it changes your heart being in line. You think you could do that to someone else just by changing and being a little different? I guarantee it. I was like... I told a kid, we were getting bagels yesterday, my daughter and I, and there was a kid working behind the counter, it was real early, you know, and and, um, I said, you know what? You are gonna make 12 girls day who are on a volleyball team. They are gonna love these bagels. You're gonna change their world. Now that might be a little bit obnoxious, but I was trying to prove something to my daughter. And I said, we're all complaining that people aren't working in, in service industries, food or whatever. Why would they want to? We are so rude and mean to them that I'd rather sit at home. We have to change this. Now, does it condemn other people? I don't know, but I tell you what, unless we do it as Christ followers, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. When someone gets your food order wrong, do you feel like you have just received the worst injustice known to man? I remember one time my wife sent me out for Kentucky Fried Chicken and they forgot the coleslaw. I went back and I was like, oh, I forgot the coleslaw. And she said, make sure they give you a cake too because you've got to go back there. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, I know it's a, it, I went up to the guy, I was like, I know it's a mistake, you know. You think I can grab a, a cake too? <laughs> I was trying to be nice but also obey my wife. Uh, uh, this is a simple, I don't have to say anything. When someone cuts you off, Amen. All right. Now, talk about condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't think that, oh, okay, well, I'm condemned because I don't do something. It's not about what we do. Remember, grace. It, it, the most famous verse in the Bible, right? Uh, John 3, 16. The verse after it, you know what it says? He, he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world. Praise God. He sent a, him to save the world through jesus and sometimes we think oh jesus makes me feel guilty i don't know look at noah he was he was righteous blameless he was faithful sometimes guilt again can be conviction but it's not a combination where you're you're no longer part of god's family or something like that so here's again our text he was righteous blameless and walked faithfully I think his righteousness was, and I'll close with just kind of highlighting these three. Who he became is what his righteousness led him to. He was an heir of righteousness. It, it said in 2 Peter that I skipped that his soul, exactly, it taught said Lot's soul was tormented by unrighteousness. Does do, are you so righteous that unrighteousness kind of bugs you? Now I'm not saying you gotta be prude. But I am saying that there's got to be something like, do we become so desensitized to things because we're like, eh, whatever, or do we really step into righteousness of God? Really say, all right, Lord, I want your heart. And in doing so, yeah, these things, they, they, they make us kind of cringe. You know, somebody was telling me a joke, and I, I said, all your jokes are sexual in nature, and it really bugs me. And then my wife slapped me. because the person across from the table was telling these jokes and no it wasn't my wife telling the jokes man why do you want to do that, that I, I see where you get that but uh the person across from the table was telling the jokes and she's like you can't be so you know forward with them but I was thinking it for a long time and I'm like I'm tired of it I just I don't want to hear it wow that really came out wrong I <laughs> had that one to the list You know, you can be wrong and righteous. And you can be right and unrighteous. A lot of people are so fixated on being right that they don't care how they get there. You know what I found in growing in Christ is I find that so many things pass in my week that I don't correct, even though I know the answer. The phrase, uh, oh, really, I thought it was this, but you probably know that better than I do, will come out of my mouth probably once a day. It doesn't matter sometimes whether we're right or not. What matters is how we're communicating. What matters is how our heart is. Pick your battles. And those you don't pick show grace. Live righteously. Live blamelessly. And Noah, it's interesting. It doesn't say Noah ever did anything wrong to people until later in like Genesis 9-ish. We kind of see some weird stuff with his kids. His holiness simply made others sense the reality that they'll be condemned and punished. It's a thing. There is condemnation and punishment. But he was living purely. He was living in a way that glorified God. And while it didn't maybe... Convict others to repent, obviously, because only he and his family were left. Remember the floating Lego pieces? You can change people's lives. You can bring about conviction. I'm convinced, and it's sad, we don't have a lot of people coming to Christ anymore through a preacher saying this, saying, you need to turn to Jesus. That just doesn't happen as much anymore. It can. The Holy Spirit can do that. I think it comes from people living lives that are just different. And then they come and they find community here. They find community amongst other believers. That is what changes the world. You know, salty and lighty thing, you know, like being salt and light. Like, seriously. Uh, I love Colossians 4, 6. Yeah, 4, 6. It says, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you might know how to answer everyone. Now, you're too salty. Nobody wants to eat you man, that came out wrong too. If you're too salty, nobody wants to listen to what you're saying. You need to be grace-filled and you need to have some seasoning. It's got, it, it might need to convict. And I think that's, as we dive into the story of Noah, the gate he represents, despite the literal flood around him, it, it causes him to be, it, his righteousness, blameless and faithfulness is so much like our Lord Jesus I wrote a few things down here that I skipped. That I think I think it'd be good for us to to reflect on, and that is, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think in in in, in leaning into the righteousness. this would be the last thing here. Things can. Our flesh can seep in. That's what the New Testament calls the thing that, like, we battle the spirit and the flesh. And, and the flesh can be the silliest things and the biggest things, right? We think flesh is adultery, right? That's kind of where our minds go sometimes. But the flesh can be stupid games on your phone. The flesh can be Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, pick your platform. The flesh, the flesh can be YouTube. I don't know how they know I will be so fascinated by the videos they show me. It's brilliant. I can't tell you how many times I've watched the Philly special from the coach that won that game last <laughs> night. And I'm like, why am I re-watching these videos? Am I that? Anyway, flesh. So sports can be flesh. Gossip, as someone, I think Caitlin had said earlier. You know, work can be flesh. Obviously, porn can be flesh. Wanting your value in anything other than God can be flesh. My wife's amazing. I said, she made food for the volleyball team yesterday. Like 12 girls, they're all 16, 17, 18 years old or whatever. She makes all this food. I'm like, honey, what are you doing? You're crazy. Now, are you doing this so that you get approval from other people? And she said, no, I just love to do it. I'm like, well, good. I don't want you doing it for that reason. But how often do we do that? Because we want our identity to be... Identity to be in what we want someone else to think of us. I think that's just so, we have to be careful. And I really think if Noah was like that, if he cared about what other people thought about him, he would not have built a boat. He would not have built a boat. And so maybe there's one of these things you need to ask God to develop in you more. Or maybe there's one of these things here over the next couple of months when you come to church you need to look at in Noah's life, his righteousness. His blamelessness, his faithfulness. Because that about him set him apart. He was a righteous man. Interesting, he was blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with his God. Lord, will you search our hearts? Test our thoughts. Know just every anxiety that might be contained within us. And and all those things we think are right, but maybe they're not. See if there's any unrighteousness in us, any any guilt, any unfaithfulness. God, lead us to a life that is more like Noah's, but ultimately more like Jesus the Christ. Righteous, blameless, faithful among our people, so that through that, through your spirit living in us, we might bring others to know the love that you transform our lives with and can in others' lives. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We are overwhelmed by your love and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you so much, Wes. Let's stand. Let's let's. See. You can stay right here, Wes. I need a hand to hold anyway. <laughs> what do you have for us, Sister Jones? What are you playing? I you. We've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. Look what time it is. It's not 1126. That, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. Look what time it is. Do we, do we know? And this is not a rhetorical question. Do we know how to tell the time? I remember growing up as a kid, you know, I thought I was the bee's knees uh, when I could look at a clock and uh, and tell time. Yeah. Now they have digital readouts. You don't even... here, this is the time. This is what technology and modernity does. This is the time. Can we tell the time? Can we can we tell the time? Um, Spot our heads and hearts. Our Heavenly Father, just so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the reminder, Father, that uh, there would be righteous conviction shared by the living of our lives. That we'd be that reflected light of Jesus Christ. Father, give us wisdom. Give us Eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that responds. Thank you for the sweet communion of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for these men, women, and children that call City Church home. Thank you for our visitors this morning. Touch their hearts, bless them, Father, as they journey down this highway we call life. Thank you for those that serve in our nursery. and. Uh, They don't even get the benefit of uh, being in community here, but they get the the joy and the blessing of uh, teaching our little ones. Thank you. Take us through this day, this weekend. Continue to keep us safe. Watch over our, our families. Bless Erica and her family. Father, as they they mourn, bless them. Thank you for Layla. Thank you for Father. mold us and shape us into your image. That's my prayer. It's in the name of your son, my savior, Jesus the Christ. Let every heart say, greet somebody.